Hi and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis and I'll be your host for this evening. I am going to be jumping back into our lessons from the Production Technician Beekeeper. And this is a, a class that I've been putting on here on the podcast so that I can help familiarize you with uh, the ins and outs of beekeeping and uh of course, at the end of this, you won't be receiving a certificate, but it's for your own knowledge and for your own uh, enjoyment as well, entertainment. Um, we're going to be uh, covering D1, uh, key points about the competent performance of um, hives and their parts. So they just list a bunch of parts here that we're supposed to go over and, and talk about. and. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a few stories mixed in here, <laughs> so uh, just bear with me, all right? So um, it says, describe the basic parts of a beehive and explain their purpose. So we're going to be talking about a Langstroth beehive, um, and we just got done a huge big section of talking about different kinds of beehives. Um, they do all have different parts. Um, but because the Langstroth is the more popular kind that you can usually buy in a store, this is the one that they want us to focus on. And also, it happens to be the one that the factory beekeeping farms use, so <laughs> um, we'll, uh, we'll jump right into that. Uh, they start at the very top and work their way down, it looks like, so let's, uh, let's start there. Um, they have rock. Yes, that's right. They actually have a rock on the top. Um, we as beekeepers have several different methods of securing the lids. If you have pests around, a lot of times what you'll want to do is instead of a rock, you'll want to hold the lid down and, and the hive together with um, ratchet straps. Um, ratchet straps are wonderful things. Um, the only thing that usually defeats a ratchet strap is uh, a raccoon who's very interested in getting into your hive and they'll just chew the ratchet strap right off and, and pull open the lid and start pulling out frames. But uh, ratchet straps are really great. Um, I had a really bad happening several years ago where uh, 16 of my hives were floated down a river. Um, it wasn't a river at the time that I uh, set them up. Uh, it became a river when we had a once-in-50-year flood. <laughs> so, um, but I had my uh, beehives ratcheted down to uh, a pallet, and they were sitting on the pallet. And so when the water came up, it literally floated all of the hives in um, six unit uh, pallets so there are six hives on each pallet and it floated 16 of them <laughs> um yeah well uh i did lose the bees it was it was heartbreaking but i did not lose one piece of woodenware and the reason was um they were all tied together and they were all tied down to that pallet had i not had them all tied down or had i just put the uh, ratchet strap around the beehive but not onto the pallet, I'm very sure that I would have lost 
you know, three, four hundred dollars worth of woodenware and and uh, um, stuff floating down the river. Now, um, it, it was it didn't help at all with uh, mud inside the hive. It didn't help with recovering very much, other than just the basic uh, equipment. But I, I'm a firm believer in ratchet straps. Um, if you have made your own hive or if you're really good at finding uh, hardware um, they do have uh, a clip and snap system where you um, they have kind of loops that you hook over uh, some protrusion in your your lid and then you take the lever and snap it down and uh, they do have those kind of pieces of hardware out there that you can get and some people swear by them um, the the problem with those things is that you have to use the same equipment every single time and you have to use them in the same order because your your attachment points are never the same on any box so it's really specific so if you have one or two hives and they're specialized hives you you can use that system very well um, they also um, when you're specializing hives they also have um, corner uh, corner braces um, and uh, they are little pieces of brass or metal other kind of metal that goes around the corner in a 90 degree bracket and then it also folds up over top of the lid and the reason why they use that hardware with uh, with um, specialized hives is you're able to put your hive tool up on top of that and when you pry up the lid or when you pry boxes that's where you pry from and it saves your boxes from getting all banged up and and uh, dented with your hive tool and broken apart so um, you know you can have those specialized types of things however um, as your box absorbs water from inside of the hive or if it absorbs water from the environment you haven't uh, weatherproofed it enough on the outside uh, you might find that those uh, specialized pieces of hardware uh, no longer fit and your box is no longer square so it's 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 one of those things that you you run the risk of when you use specialized hardware um, people also use bricks for on top of their hives and I've seen on YouTube um, um, a guy who goes under the name of JCBs um, he has a system where he lays his brick in certain directions and he even will paint certain ends of the brick and that brick on top of the hive is his recording system so um, if he goes through his hives and he requeens a hive he'll put the brick in a certain way if the hive needs to be harvested and it's a dead out hive he'll change the direction of the brick He'll change which colors flipped up. Um, he'll put two bricks on. He'll put a brick and a half on. 
and uh, each each one of those things means a certain thing to him and so he can have hundreds of hives and just walk past the hive and he's looking for uh, a queen cell and he's gone through the the hive um, two days ago and he knows there's a queen cell in amongst this area so he'll walk past and he'll just look for the brick in a certain way that means queen cell and he'll stop at the appropriate hive open it up pull out the queen cell and walk back to the the new hive that he's making so it's it's a it's a very nice way of doing things if you are not recording down um, the history of each of the hives and if you're not making digital records um, if you have too many hives to make digital records or if you're worried that your uh, records and digital records may be uh, 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 utilized by the department of making you sad um, sometimes utilizing a brick or a rock in a certain way will uh, allow you to know the state of the hive so um, that's one of the things that you can do to um, help yourself and um, you have to be careful with your rock on how heavy your rock is because you can damage your equipment um, and the last thing you want to do is, is uh, uh, splinter your wood so that the roof is not waterproof anymore um, and uh, yeah so that's all about rocks and lid attachments <laughs> Um, let's talk a little bit about the lid okay so you can have two different kinds of lids you can have um, the telescoping lid and what that means is on all four sides you have uh, a piece of board that goes down and fits over top of your hive and um, with telescoping lids uh, a lot of times they make them real fancy and they put on tin on the roof or they put on copper on the roof of the the lid and that's supposed to help weatherize the the lid but one of my uh, youtube mentors um, likes to say that uh, that's just a fancy way to start heating up your hive <laughs> and uh, trees don't have fancy lids that's <laughs> what he said so um and if you uh want to look him up um that's uh, the fat bee honey man or the fat bee man, excuse me. Um, he, he does some real um, sensible things for beekeeping. So yeah, he's, he's someone to look up. Um, but yeah, you can get fancy lids and metal on the lids, but um, the factory farm, uh, honey farms, usually don't have fancy lids. Um, it's just an extra expense they have to put out to put on metal on every single lid and it's far easier just to make the wood lid and paint it or wax it and just be done with it. So um, I guess that's uh, what we're going on to next. Um, do make sure that you uh, coat somehow your lid top and bottom. Um, some people utilize their lid also for uh, record keeping purposes. So either they'll put on the top of the lid, um, you know, if they get a queen cell, they'll put QC and then they'll put the date. 
so that you know when you walk by if there was a QC on there then you know how long it is about until it hatches. Um, a lot of beekeepers will take the telescoping lid off and write on the inside cover for that season and then every season they put a coat of paint on it and start again. Um, so they, they keep their records on the lid and if you're keeping the lid with the hive every single time you'll know which hive this is, you'll have uh, something to put on your records. If you haven't labeled the outside of your hive, sometimes labeling the lid, you know, uh, this is, you take your first initial and, and hive number 13, so uh, D13, okay? So um, then you would have a, a record of what it is, <clears throat> which hive it is, and, and have a little bit of history. If you're doing digital records, you'll be able to pop open your phone and and uh, uh, go over to your um, beekeeping software and look through and oh yeah there's there's d13 I, I know which one this is and oh it looks like they requeened uh two months ago but you know queen's going good and lots of brood and oh great okay so then you'd be able to flip it closed and and drive on um, some people keep very detailed records about the hive for every season there um, and uh, that's great and everything, but a lot of times if you do not keep record, like digital records of your hives and you can't go back two or three years later and say, okay, let's take a survey of all of my hives, what did I have, then you're probably not getting the best um, um, historical knowledge out of your hives. Um, w one thing that people do is they keep the records on the hive lid and while the hive lid is open, they take a picture of it and file the picture as their record. And that's good and fine, you can do that as well. Um, that, that way when you go back two years later, you can look through until you find uh, D13 and then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that hive did well, you know, whatever. And, uh, and just by the pictures, you can keep it. And uh, for those of us who, um, have dyslexia that you know it's hard to write stuff down um, writing stuff down in triplicate is such a pain in the backside <laughs> so you uh, you write it down once and then you take a picture of it and you copy the picture onto your computer and you know then you don't have to write it down as many times as sometimes is necessary so yeah they use that um, there is a different kind of lid and uh, this is the lid that they uh, I think they call a traveling lid or migratory lid and uh, what this is is uh, it has on the front of the hive and the back of the hive the boards that go down but on the sides it has nothing it just covers the top and there's no overhang and they use this so that they can uh, stack the hives closer together so the the base will just be a piece of plywood that is cut exactly to the dimensions of the hive and then the top will be a piece of plywood that has front and back to keep the lid from sliding front and back but then you'll have your strap that goes up and over the the lid so it can be shoved close together with other hives so they use they use that lid the migratory lid I 
had trouble figuring that one out again. <laughs> the migratory lid uh, so that they could um, stack the hives together and transport them or the other thing is you can stack the hives together really close for winter when you winterize your hives. That way they can share a little bit of heat that goes through both walls of the hive and uh, it, it makes it so that it's it's not cold blowing wind between all the cracks of the hives. And what a lot of people will do, will, they will on the uh, on the uh, pallet that the the hive is on, they will actually slide them all together and get six really tight together and then they'll um, strap each one to the, the pallet and then they'll strap around the, the hives so that they're all one unit, one cube and it makes it easier for you to move if you have to move them with a forklift if you're moving them into a quonset or another building for uh, winterizing or if you have to move them for any reason uh, like in the spring or whatever um, you'll want to try and not move the hive after it gets down below plus 10 if you can um, it is a recipe for disaster you can kill your queen and therefore kill the whole hive if you move them and, and the queen gets smashed in between some of the frames slapping back and forth and you know it, it, it can get pretty messy but um, migratory lids are very useful um, and I have a few of the telescoping lids but most of my lids are all migratory um, and uh, when I recreate my beehive or, or recreate my apiaries after this COVID is over and done with, um, I'm definitely planning on uh, having all of the lids out of my uh, um, beekeeping inventory and I will be getting the migratory lids only. I will be making the mi migratory lids only. So that's uh, that's what I'm doing with mine so um, but you can choose either kind of lid that you want now depending on where you are um, an inner cover mat quilt or pillow you may use um, as uh, um, something that goes between the lid and the body of the hive so they do have uh, a lot of them call them feeding covers or feeding lids. Um, they are they they fit exactly over the top of the hive, and they're the the there's no overlap or sticking out anywhere. And then on the top of it, there's kind of an oblong oval cut out of the uh, the lid. And what that's for is you're supposed to be able to to snap in uh, uh, plastic beescape so that it makes it so that the bees can go out but they don't they can't go in and if you block off all the entrances of the hive um, on the top on your honey boxes and you put this um, below your honey box so that the bees that are in the honey box can just go down and walk into the regular hive and they go through this opening but they can't get back up um, that helps you when you are getting ready to harvest your honey to be able to have that 
box fairly empty of bees. There will always be one bee there, but yeah, you can use that that uh, inner cover for um, a bee escape or a, a bee. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, something to to have the bees leave the the high, hive area. Um, you can also utilize that with an open hole, and you can turn over a feed bucket on top of them. And uh, your feed bucket's going to have uh, pinholes in it, and it will just slowly drip a little tiny bit into the hive, or it'll um, end up with suction inside the bucket, and the bees will have to come up and, and actually uh, stick their proboscis, their tongue in there, and uh, be able to drink out of it. And that lid, you know, keeps the majority of water, rain, out of the hive, but allows the, the bucket to um, feed internally uh, a beehive. And that's, that's something that you really want, is being able to feed internally. Um, other people have, um, they use a cover or mat or quilt or something and so what I've seen is people use uh, it looks it's a silver coated bubble wrap they use that and they cut it to the size of the hive and uh, the bees propolize that closed and they they make it so that they can have a, a really good um, warm environment that they want inside the hive um, I've seen people utilize painters cloth in there um, I've seen people use uh, a, a pillow, but usually what they do with a pillow is they will put the pillow on top of the inner cover, and um, the pillow is filled with material that, that absorbs the water, and that's the whole entire idea behind the pillow, is it absorbs the water and makes it so that it doesn't form on the roof of the hive and uh, gives it a place to dissipate to the upper environment but still have the lower environment covered. So through that oval hole, the, the um, humidity will go up through the pillow, be kept in the pillow until there's a breeze across the top of the hive and then it'll, it'll um, go out into the uh, environment. And uh, when people use quilts they usually have a, a quilt box with a special lid on top so it's a special lid that keeps the rain out but it has areas where wind can blow through and it blows across the top of the pillow or quilt box and it extracts the the humidity out of the hive that way sorry about the ring <laughs> had somebody uh, decide they needed to call me for some reason all right so we were talking a little bit about the uh, the quilt box. Um, quilt boxes are usually used on, um, usually not used on Langstroth's. They're usually used on Warre hives. It is uh, one of the features of a Warre hive. Um, however, people have brought quilt boxes and pillows over from the Warre hive. Um, the inside of a pillow might be filled with uh, absorbers, water absorbers, or filled with sawdust, or with um, chips of wood. Um, sometimes they have uh, fast wicking um, material on them, and they're, they're 
kind of a nifty little thing to have but definitely not necessary and uh, you have to understand what you're doing and understand how it works in order to make the uh, make it work for the hive you can definitely kill a hive with a pillow <laughs> Um, not placed correctly or if there is a huge big draft um, and uh, you know if if a, you have the the pillow sucking up water but then you don't have uh, a way for it to leave into the environment then you have a huge big um, piece of ice in cloth that is glued to the top of your hive with ice so <laughs> yeah you can you can definitely cause some problems um, so both the lid upper lid and inner cover can be um, dipped in wax and uh, uh, weatherized that way um, the wax if you if you do a wax dip you only have problems if you get really really super hot like a plus 40 degrees celsius um, then it'll start wicking out of the wood but usually you know we have uh, much cooler temperatures and during the winter time it serves as a really good waterproofer because the the wax is so cold and hardened all right so now we're down to um a super so supers can be uh two different shapes it can be uh shallow or medium and if you only have deeps in your high in your apiary you might end up with a deep as a super supers are called supers because they're over top of the brood chamber so um it, it's more of a position than than an actual type of equipment and uh, bees typically will um, in in a tree they will start at the top and start building their combs down and as they go down um, the brood is hatched in the newer wax and then the old wax is used for honey storage so in uh, Langstroth hive your super um, a lot of times people will actually uh, fight against the bees and they will throw a super on the hive and the super will be um, something that does not um, it, it's above the hive and so the bees have to go up during a flow and fill that empty super without wax with wax and it's kind of backwards for them. So um, I'd actually advise you that if you have a fewer amount of hives and you're not, you know, you don't have any lifting restrictions or anything like that, that when you add a super, you should actually take off the brood box and set it aside and you should put your super down below, the, the new box without wax down below, and then put your um, um, already waxed box with brood in it on top and then what the queen will do is she as the bees start making wax down below she will start moving her brood chamber down 
and as she moves it down she'll like the the new create newly created wax for her babies because she knows that that's the best place for her babies and then um, as they go from spring to summer that upper area will start clearing out and they will start putting honey into that upper uh, super and in that way when you take out your your honey it, when you spin out your honey if the box is a little bit older you can also scrape off the wax and then wash your frames and then put them back into circulation um, and uh, that way you can um, keep the uh, um, wax in there uh, fresh and keep the queen bee happy because she likes new wax um, a lot of beekeepers don't like doing that because wax is honey um, so it takes about six parts of honey to make one part of wax so if you're putting six pounds of honey into the hive and they're eating it not storing it then they eat up that six pounds of honey and they only make one pound of wax so a lot of beekeepers are very miserly they they guard their their old frames with uh, wax in them and they'll store their old frames and and they'll put wax moth um, um, stuff to keep wax moths out of it and they'll they'll um, essentially a pesticide or or something to make the wax moth not want to be there uh, like uh, oh what are mothballs um, or they have a, a special moth crystal that they use um, and it it uh, it puts um, chemical up inside the storage hives that have the frames in them so um, people are very miserly with their um, their wax um, however I have found with my system that if I'm rotating out that black wax then um, I, I find that my my bees are a lot healthier uh, we don't have as many diseases in the hive we don't have as many cases of stone brood in the hive and so you know there it's a really good way of, of rotating through and getting rid of some of the pesticides that have been brought into the hive and 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 maybe some of the um, diseases that are found in the hive some of the diseases in the hive are their spore um, type diseases uh, so they reproduce and they put spores into the hive and so when a bee goes and munches on that spore it gets into the bee's system and causes problems so if you are um, taking your wax out of the hive regularly three to five years um, is a normal rotation of wax um, you can get rid of some of those spores and um, decrease the amount of sickness that you have in your in your hives however it does decrease the amount of honey that you're going to be able to harvest so you're going to have to take that into account and when you are starting out as a new beekeeper and you get these brand new uh, pieces of equipment and you throw a swarm of bees in there you better start with just one box on top and not put anything else on top just one box 
and put your swarm into one deep or something like that and allow them to be in that one deep. Swarms are, are wonderful and beautiful for making wax. They have, um, they have their wax scales on their belly that are, are full and waiting for their new hive and they're more than happy to pull that off, munch it and, and put it into their new hive. But if you give them too much area to wax, they get discouraged and uh, they don't do as well. So it's, it's better just to put them into one, uh, one box and allow them to wax that whole entire box before you start throwing new boxes on. And like I said before, it's, it's always good to throw them underneath the uh, brood box and that way they can start building down and work with the bees in the way that they usually work rather than working against them. Um, that particular method is something that they do with the Warre hives. And uh, I don't know, when you're, when you're dealing with beekeeping, I think you just take uh, good ideas from anywhere where you can get them from and include them in your beekeeping routines and, 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 and uh, how you handle your bees. Well, I'm glad my phone has such a soft ring. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be able to edit this out. I, as you can probably tell, I'm at work and uh, I am doing two things at once, so I probably won't be able to edit out the phone noises, so I apologize for that. Um, we are now on to brood chambers. Now, with your decisions on what you're doing for sizes of boxes with frame sizes that kind of stuff um, a brood box is more or less a position rather than uh, a type of box but typically brood boxes are deeps and uh, the reason why they do uh, deeps for brood boxes is because it gives a, a larger space that's uninterrupted for the queen to lay her nest in and uh, or, or to make her nest in to, to lay her brood in and so um, it allows for uh, the bees to get in and about and, and uh, be able to walk back and forth now if you aren't in your hive all the time you'll start noticing that the bee space between the top box and the brood box are um, waxed up so they'll create little burr combs of wax that they use as ladders so that they can just walk back and forth and a lot of times they'll fill that chock full of honey because it's close enough to the brood that they can walk up and grab it and take it down to the brood and and it's happier for them but um yeah um, you want to try and, and uh, provide as much space for that nest as possible. Some beekeepers utilize only one brood box and they'll put a queen excluder on top of that one brood box and keep the queen in the bottom and they will only allow her to make that much brood and then after that much then they essentially have her shut down until some of the, uh, some of the um, bees are hatched and, and out of the out of the cells um, and some beekeepers use two brood boxes and uh, so then they 
end up with that uh, burr comb that gets in between the two boxes and every time they open it up they pretty well have to shave it off and you always kill a few bees while you're shaving off some of that because they just get in the way. Um, you can try and puff them down with uh, smoke to get them off of that burr comb before you start scraping away but inevitably you end up killing some bees. So, I mean, it's just never good. Um, there are some beekeepers, and I am not one of these kind of beekeepers, and I don't suggest you to be this kind of a beekeeper, but they give the, um, the queen two brood boxes, and then literally they never go into those two brood boxes. They never open it up. They allow them to burr comb the hell out of it. Uh, they don't open it up. All they're interested in is, you know, what happens above the brood boxes. Um, and you do have a little bit of benefit in that. You're not going to be squishing queens when you're going through the brood boxes. You're not going to be chilling brood. You're not going to be disrupting their processes down there. But at the same time, you need to be in there every 12 days to make sure that you don't have queen cells in there. So you don't have a swarm happening you have to be in there to make sure that there is no disease that is appearing you have to be in there to check out the laying pattern of the queen to know whether or not you need to replace the queen so it's not a practice that i suggest but there are people who literally say that is not my business there in the brood box and i'm not touching it <laughs> so um yeah be that as it may all right, so we talked a little bit about something else that is in there, and that is um, your queen excluder. A queen excluder is um, anything that has uh, small holes in it that the queen can't get through, but the rest of the bees can. And that can be everything from uh, inner cover that has a queen excluder over top of that oval, um, it can be um, a piece of plywood with a queen excluder, um, a piece of queen excluder taped over top or embedded and glued in to the top. Um, it can be a metal queen excluder that goes full length and fits over top of the hive so that nothing pokes out so that you can put it anywhere. Um, queen excluders. <laughs> So I had an interruption there, I'm very sorry. Um, queen excluders are a piece of kit that is a great piece of kit. However, you have to be a little bit careful with how you utilize a queen excluder. Um, queen excluders can be anything that allows bees through, but does not allow the queen through. So, and I'm not sure if I covered this already, but um, it can be a piece of queen excluder that is embedded in uh, either an inner cover or embedded in a piece of plywood that allows the movement of bees in between the two levels. Um, it can be a metal queen excluder or a plastic queen excluder that fits over the whole entire top of it. Um, it can be... Um, even a rubber mat queen excluder. Um, the, those aren't as common, but they are out there. Um, and it is something that uh, a lot of beekeepers call 
um, honey excluders. And the reason why they, they say that is the bees that go through queen excluders, um, it's very high wear and tear on their wings as they go through. Um, and uh, it shortens the lifespan of a bee uh, having a queen excluder on there. So if you have lots of um, lots of bees in your beehive, like a very big population, uh, decreasing the life of the bees isn't that bad. But if you have a very small um, bunch of bees in a hive, it's a very bad thing to throw on a, a queen excluder because you want to make sure that you have the longest living bees so that they have the best ability to um, requeen the hive or build up their their uh, their workforce um, what you are uh, cutting down on is the honey that's coming into the hive when you put queen excluders on because the lifespan of the bee um, is shortened and the the part that is shortened the most is the very end of the lifespan where they go out and collect the honey or collect the nectar so yeah, you have to use this piece of equipment judiciously. We also have uh, another uh, rubber mat that is sometimes uh, utilized. This rubber mat is meant for a hive with a glass top. And uh, this rubber mat has really thin holes in it or slat holes in it. And what the bees do is they utilize propolis to glue up the holes so that they can make the hive dark and, uh, and be able to keep some of the humidity in. And what ends up happening is you open up your hive and pull that mat out, you freeze it, and then you crunch it because it's rubber. You crunch it or silicone and uh, all the propolis falls off of it and then you can utilize that propolis um, and sell it as tinnitures, as uh, just raw propolis, whatever you want. And, uh, the, but the, the way to get it off is to have something that is um, malleable, like rubber or silicone, and then freeze it and then scrunch it and just, it just falls off because it, it, it's frozen. And uh, when you bend, then bend the material, then it just falls off and everything's great. It's super, <laughs> super easy. Um, you don't want to have those ones on very long either because um, it makes the bees uh, work a little extra hard in order to propolize all of that off. And uh, the down part on this is it requires a glass top roof and that means that you have to be exceptionally careful with uh, how you handle the hive when it has a glass top because you don't want that glass everywhere. So um, that's another piece of kit that's uh, kind of cool and it goes on the top of the hive. And now we're on to the floor or pallet. Um, with the floor there are a lot of different schools of thought. Um, so there are quite a few different things that you can put on the bottom of a hive. Um, we'll start at one of the more extreme, weirder ways of uh, a floor, and then we'll work back towards 
uh, normal, um, what is usually found on a hive floor. So there are some beekeepers who, <laughs> the ones that I call granolas, um, they are, are beekeepers who want to uh, best approximate um, what we would find in nature in the in the bottom of a hollowed out tree um, and so usually what you find in in the bottom of a hollowed out tree that bees have their hive in um, is a lot of times it has been used by several different types of creatures so been used as a nest box by a bird it's been used as a nest box maybe by a mouse it's been utilized as a hive box by bumblebees. Um, it's got, it's had uh, um, wax moths in there one time and they've eaten all the wax off. So you got particles of wax on the, the floor. You've got uh, um, larva casings and, and probably an earwig or two and you've probably got uh, spiders in the bottom and and all sorts of different you know creatures that have inhabited that area have left their various forms of bacteria down there there are various forms of uh, um, uh, dead carcasses there you know it's just a whole lot of stuff at the bottom of the hive and uh, there is some schools of thought that say that one of the reasons why we have so much difficulty with bees and diseases and that kind of thing is because uh, the bees that usually live in these type of environments pick up um, uh, different funguses and eat eat the little funguses that are growing down there. They have lichen, which is like stuff from rocks and stuff, you know, that uh, grow on the top of it that are collected by little beasties and, and put in their, their uh, nests. Um, they have all sorts of different things that they would um, be exposed to. And somehow that magical um, concoction of stuff at the bottom of the hive is something that brings health to the bees. And so a certain bunch of beekeepers, <laughs> our granolas, um, will try and approximate that kind of a, a, a bottom. So they will literally put uh, an upside down um, inner cover on the bottom and they and the inner cover has uh, some raised edges so that there is the ability to put down um, stuff on the ground or on the bottom of the floor um, all sorts of detritus that they throw down there nesting materials all sorts of things like that so that's what they put down there and uh, they believe that it, it makes the hive healthier and uh, who knows if it does. I, <laughs> um, people try it out and see if it works. And, and if, if it seems to work for them, that's great. Um, some of those materials are utilized to uh, suck some of the uh, liquid out of the air, the humidity out of the air. Um, 
you know there is all sorts of stuff down there that could help um, they occasionally sprinkle in a little tiny bit of uh, dirt in the bottom as well so that they can have <laughs> you know try and approximate nature as best as possible so yeah that's what they do <laughs> and that's that's a, a type of bottom um, another type of bottom would be um, for most people a, a diagnostic bottom so you are looking to see what kind of critters are in your hive so you will have a screen bottom and then underneath the screen they slide a target board and they usually spread something on the target board that will not allow the uh, little critters and crawlies that fall down there to be able to move so they either spread uh, um, Vaseline on there or they spread cooking oil on there or they it's an actual glue board that uh, you know like if a mouse would have walked across it, it would stick to it <laughs> so they um, they have uh, some sort of board underneath that they collect samples and a lot of times they will um, have little squares on them and what they do is they they say okay for every square they have uh, five bugs and so then they can they can measure they can take like um, eight of the squares kind of around and then they can say okay out of eight squares there are five bugs per square so then we can calculate out how much um, spread how much area the bugs are in and, and how many bugs in a certain area in a hive or they might take uh, square number three out of every single hive and they analyze okay in square number three on every single hive it has three bugs on average so you know we can say okay yeah we have three mites or we have three whatever um, and uh, it's a diagnostic thing and it's not meant to be kept in over the winter it is meant for uh, springtime and summertime um, checking out to see what uh, is falling to the floor of the hive in the warmer climates they actually have screen bottoms with no um, boards underneath it um, no no catching boards that catch the mites and or anything like that they just have a screen on the bottom and um, this helps out a little bit because um, as their mite load gets bigger the mites start dropping through and they will actually drop through and fall down into the ground um, or the uh, hive beetles will fall down into the ground and then they're out of the hive so it's not something that that um, it, it, it kind of self-limits the uh, the beetles inside the hive um, and uh, that has an advantage because if you lift up your hives enough so that uh, creatures can crawl underneath your hive and peck at these little creatures so if you are beekeeping and keeping chickens at the same time um, the chickens will actually crawl underneath the hives and peck all the beetles and all the the mites and things that have fallen through and they'll peck them and eat them 
and uh, the life cycle of the beetle will not continue um, and uh, and it get, gets rid of a certain amount of uh, stuff from the hive and it, it's a good way of doing things you know if you if you live in <laughs> Georgia down in the in US or if you live in Texas you know having the ability for a hive to uh, cool itself a whole lot more um, having the ability for hive beetles to drop out. We don't have hive beetles up here in Canada. Um, it's, it's just too cold for the life cycle to, to continue. So if we end up with um, hive beetles, it, it'll just be for one season usually, and uh, they usually die in the wintertime. Um, there are two or three places in Canada where that's not the case. Um, Ontario, BC, they have uh, a little bit warmer climbs where beetles might be able to get a foothold, but honestly, it's just not a thing up here in Canada. Um, and uh, so we usually don't use screen boards in the summertime anyways, regardless. Um, we don't do that because our bees... Um, don't need the regulation of the temperature. They're able to self-regulate their temperature by bringing in water and putting it on the uh, um, walls of the hive and, and essentially make a swamp cooler out of their hive and cool their hive that way. Uh, they get out and fan their um, entrances so that they get a, a circulation of air. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that they do on their own to, to regulate their hive, and we don't need to, to cause a big issue by putting a uh, screen on the bottom. Um, and definitely during our winter times, if we were to leave that open with screen during the winter times, you're going to kill your, your bees. That's just, it's just it. You cannot have it exposed to minus 40 degrees um, uh, Celsius and expect your bees to live with the screen bottom. It's just not a thing. Um, neither in the spring nor, nor the fall would you want um, the colder weather to uh, get through the screen board bottom, so we just don't use it. And uh, they sell the beehives up here, the bee kits up here with a screen bottom. And what I usually tell people is uh, you're going to use that screen bottom one time a year when you do your mite count, if you do it that way. And, uh, and that's the only time you're going to use it. So it's a piece of kit to have. Um, if you know, you, you end up having mites a whole bunch, um, it might be a good thing to have so that you can, you know, put it on different hives and figure out the mite load that you have. But, uh, honestly, there are better ways to test for mites and it is just not necessary piece of kit up here in Canada. Um, we have um, a type of bottom board that, that I like to call an airport. <laughs> um, essentially, it is a bottom board that extends out, and there are um, little slats on the side that the hive sits on, so it raises the hive up one bee space thick um, so that the bees are able to come and go underneath the on, on the bottom of the hive um, and this this is the type of bottom that usually comes with beehives out of the uh, out of the store um, this is usually accompanied with an entrance reducer which is 
uh, piece of stick that fits into that one B space high and it fits in there and uh, you can you can flip it over and it will reduce it and you can flip it back and it'll increase it or you can take it all the way out so those are a way that you can use that uh, that airport bottom board um, and some people believe that it's a good thing to have so that the bees have a large area to land and then walk into the hive um, other people don't like it because uh, it's hard to mouse proof that particular type of a hive um, and uh, the mice will actually eat through the entrance reducer so <laughs> it's not great um, so that's that's one of the things that you need to be looking at with that type of a bottom um, I use pieces of plywood on the bottom um, or pieces of particle board on the bottom I make sure that I paint them or dip them in wax um, and I don't have any entrances usually on the bottom at all um, that way because I have a lot of problems with mice and uh, so that way I can limit the uh, mouse entrance in there and I can help the bees uh, regulate their hives a little bit better um, we have some special things that we will be covering in a different um, podcast. Uh, special things like pollen traps, hive scales, um, and other specialized frames that we'll cover in a different podcast. But that's generally uh, a top to bottom of your hives. And, uh, and it is not covering anything dealing with uh, winterizing and uh, stuff that you can do, special equipment that you can have year-round that's already winterized. So, uh, but it is uh, top to bottom of the hive and I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope my interruptions here haven't been too bad and, and the uh, when I've had to go back and, and delete out some of the uh, bigger interruptions, <laughs> I hope you don't mind that. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can reach me at uh, fatbeehoneyranch, all small letters, at gmail.com. Um, I don't have any other places that I'm working on right now. Um, just because uh, the social media is in an uproar right now, we're having so many different uh, um, people that are being thrown off social media and, and knowing how and where to contact people is really difficult. So I guess the, uh, the email would be the best place for you guys to contact me by. Um, if you have any ideas or questions or suggestions for stuff we need to cover in the future, I'd really appreciate you dropping me a line. I really enjoy the audience that, that uh, listens to this podcast, and I thank you very much. In your um, podcast uh, software that you're listening to, make sure that you give me a thumbs up or a five-star rating if you think I deserve that. It really helps push the traffic in and have people be able to discover this podcast. Um, I really enjoy doing these things for you guys and, and hopefully we can um, accelerate a little bit more through this course. Thanks and we'll chat with you all later.